This film is lit. The podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian, and I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. So prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide if the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers, because this film is lit. An adventure for those who seek to find a way to leave their world behind. And that sounds pretty good right about now. It's Jumanji, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to This Film is Lit, the podcast where we talk about movies that are based on books. On this Thanksgiving episode, not doing a specific Thanksgiving movie. Are there Thanksgiving movies? Uh, we've talked about this on Good, Better, Bad, but there are very few. That are based on books? Uh, specifically based on books. <laughs> I, I'm sure there are a couple, but I don't know if there are many. Um, this one we talked about does uh, technically have a scene or two that takes place at Christmas. Uh, so, But it's a, it's a good holiday family. Yeah. Holiday season family type movie. Um, a lot of it takes place in the winter, even though it's not. Um, necessarily like Thanksgiving or holiday, and it's a it's a nice fun adventure romp, <laughs> I guess. So uh, we mentioned before um, this one is not a patron request, right? Mm-mm. But if you want to request one, you can head over to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash. This film is lit, and uh, we take if you support us at fifteen bucks a month or more, um, we you go into our priority recommendation. Q, which those movies uh, get priority recommendation status, which means we'll do them sooner than other recommendations we get because we have a list that is hundreds of movies long um, at this point from, you know, our own list that we put mm-hmm. together uh, to other recommendations that we get occasionally, you know, through Facebook and that sort of thing. And so if you something you desperately want to hear us talk about, support us at Patreon for a few months at least at 15 bucks a month and we will get to your movie much quicker. You can also support us for uh, less than that. There's like a two and a five dollar level, and you get different things at those levels. At five bucks, you get access to bonus content and that sort of thing. So, before we get started, we wanted to make this minor announcement. If you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, for patrons or regular listeners, mm-hmm. uh, patrons get it on Tuesday evening. Regular listeners, if you're listening to it when it comes out, it's Wednesday, the 25th, right? Yes. Yes. Wednesday, November 25th. On Thursday, November 26th, Thanksgiving Day, uh, we're not traveling. We're staying no. home, uh, as ever, we would implore everybody to. Um, we're staying home. We're doing our own Thanksgiving. We're cooking our own Thanksgiving dinner. So we decided it could be fun uh, for other people who are staying home and won't be you know, spending as much time with uh, their friends and family as they would generally like to. Uh, we're going to do a little live stream for a while. Not sure how long, but we're going to start it at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. Yes. So, uh, yeah, if you're in other time zones, adjust accordingly. But Central Standard, 1 p.m., um, and we'll go for however long. We'll stop before we're going to do dinner eventually. Right. <laughs> but at that time, we'll probably be we'll be prepping some dinner stuff, uh, bacon, uh, roasting a turkey, um, you know, having appetizers hanging mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can come and join us um, on Twitch, uh, just twitch.tv 
slash GB or BB underscore Brian. There'll be links. Go to our social media. That's the easiest place to find it. Yeah, I'll, we'll have links. I'll to all post that stuff. it on Facebook and on Twitter, um, so you can come get the Twitch link if you would like to live stream with us. We'll be doing like yeah, food stuff, um, other things. Yeah, I'll be getting day drunk. There we go. It'll be it'll great. be a fun, fun <laughs> jolly old time. Uh, that's our stay the fuck home. <laughs> live stream i stole that from a podcast i listened to um but yeah uh, stay home on thanksgiving and uh and hang out with us hang out with this film is lit let's get on to the episode now let's get into our discussion of jumanji katie we don't have a um whatchamacallit a guess who a guess who because no. it is a picture book yes uh and we'll, we'll we'll get into whether or not any of the characters are even in the picture book we'll discuss that very shortly but we do have let me sum up. Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. So I wrote a quick one for the movie. The book, there's, I assume there's very little the book to sum up. is like <laughs> one sentence worth of what you wrote here. Perfect. So here's what, if you haven't seen the 1995 Jumanji, here's what happens. In 1969, a bullied young boy named Alan Parrish finds a mysterious board game buried deep underground shortly after he and his neighbor sarah whittle begin the game alan is sucked into the board game where he remains trapped for 26 years until in 1995 when the recently orphaned peter and judy shepherd find jumanji and begin the game anew they unleash all manner of dangers into the world giant mosquitoes venomous plants murderous hunter giant spiders and robin williams Alan Parrish and Sarah Woodle reunite after 26 years and must help Judy and Peter finish the game and return their world to normal. Uh, that's basically mm -hmm. what happens. And I assume the book is the, book, the last sentence, the, uh, other than the characters. The book <laughs> is best summed up. Uh, Peter and Judy Shepard find Jumanji and begin the game. They unleash all manner of dangers into the world. Judy and Peter finish the game and return their world back that's to normal. That's kind of what that's I think. The book. That's kind of what I suspected. Well, let's get into some of the more specific details and find out what's that in the book. Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So, uh, one of the things that at the very beginning that I didn't mention in the let me sum up is that we had a a a. a seen even further back in history in the 1800s of these people burying um, Jumanji mm -hmm. the first time that uh, so that Alan Parrish can find it uh, in the in the construction site later on. Um, and this and then at the end of this movie, they uh, Judy and Peter throw it off a bridge. No, Alan and Alan and Alan Sarah, and Sarah throw, it throw it off a bridge because it goes back in time. Um, and if and then there's a scene at the end implying that somebody else finds it. So from that, we gather that this this Jumanji is like this cursed object that is passed from person to person throughout history. You know, they try to hide it, but it always resurfaces. Is that sort of dark, like <laughs> mythological background, something that came from the book? Um, I wouldn't say that there's a dark mythological background in the book. There's a sort of a similar element the kids do find the game, like, in the park. Yeah. And after they have their adventure, some other kids get a hold of it at the end of the book. But there's not as much of an implication that it's, like, this curse that passes from generation to generation as okay. there is in the movie. Okay. 
I mean, that seems like it. The fact that it, pulling that kernel of the it passing to other people and turning mm-hmm. it into a more dramatic, like mm-hmm. sort of Pandora's box type of you know thing makes a lot of sense. So uh, we're going to talk now about Alan Parrish and all of the storyline with him in 1969. Uh, one Carl, uh, Carl is a great character in the movie played by David Alan Greer, um, who he's the sole man at the shoe factory that Alan's father owns. Uh, and he invents sneakers, which I thought was interesting. Cause I was like, it's 1969. I'm pretty sure sneakers now. Now I guess he's not inventing sneakers necessarily, but like specifically, specifically like, like basketball, basketball style sneakers, yeah. I guess is the idea they're going for. It's and like I don't a know. Nike kind of, it's supposed to be like he invented Jordans before yeah. Jordans were, cause obviously those wasn't until like the eighties or whatever. And I just thought it was anyway. So that was interesting, but I also wondered if, anything to do with that or and then even just tagging on from that or alan and his dad and their troubled relationship which is part of this whole deal is any of this sort of backstory for alan part of the book no okay (laughs) every all the stuff with alan and his dad and the shoe factory and the whole like 1969 plot part of the story none of that is in the book okay is there any element of the like any of those relationships that feels pulled from the book at all? Like 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 maybe Peter and because you said Peter and Judy are are in the mm-hmm. book. Is there anything with Peter and his dad or something that feels like maybe an inspiration for that? I would say no. Okay, so like so like father son dynamics isn't not a part of the book, not a part no. of the book. Okay, uh, and this one to me is a big one because I absolutely love this prop and I want to know how much it is you know the art direction the the special effects people how much is was from the book itself from the art in the book which was done by uh chris van alsberg who wrote it and drew it correct mm-hmm. yeah uh, or illustrated it um the book or the board game does it look anything in the book like it does in the movie um a, a little bit they're both board game setups that feature like trails of squares that you move pieces along okay but that's kind of where the similarities end it's not like is it wood that we know like is it does it fold open like it doesn't this? fold open oh it doesn't mention what kind of material it's made out can of can you see I it think. in the book yeah i, I want to see it right okay. now you want to see, see it right it. now and then you can post a picture or something it's fine i will post some side by sides from this yes. but i would specifically there, there like to see okay it looks essentially nothing like the one there is a circle that they're trying to get to mm-hmm. and there are squares in the sense of like a candy land has the yeah. same like you know that kind of board but it is not uh in anything else yeah it just looks like a generic like, like a cardboard cardboard game with and the board. pieces aren't particularly interesting they just look like um you know generic like little uh they look like um, the pieces sorry from sorry pieces. Yeah. yeah okay boo so yeah literally nothing like the movie one in all its intricacy because i do love that board um i love the the way it opens and the little compartment for the pieces um and the fact that it's all wood and like old looking at the cover on it looks or like the front of the box looks really neat i love everything about that about the that prop and uh so yeah that was completely the movies movies design Mm -hmm. so this is something i assumed is probably from the book is that whenever they move their piece in the in the movie after they roll, their pieces move automatically. 
Um, which I guess I could ask about that. Do the pieces move automatically in the no, book? No, they okay. don't. Okay, <laughs> I should. I didn't even think about that because uh, it must be microchips. Obviously, it's always confused me that she didn't say magnets. That she well, says because mic- they, they say magnets at, at the beginning. Oh, do they? He says it must be magnetic. Oh, that's right. In the yeah, 60s. yeah. And so then it's an attempt it's to an like attempt update to, like, it. Modern, right, 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 right. I forgot. But that he yeah, magnets make sense in microchips. Even st- and, and magnets <laughs> even still make sense in 1995. Yeah. Like I wouldn't. You would, I mean, I guess you could, microchips could control the magnets or something. I don't know. It's just, yeah, that always cracked me up. Okay, so the magic piece is moving is from the movie. But uh, more specifically, when they arrive on their spot, the little, the words appear mm-hmm. in the middle of the board uh, in this little, like, magic window, like, uh, thing. Um, and they read them out, and they're, like, rhyming kind of couplets, basically, that describe what, you know, kind of mysteriously, almost like a, a riddle, mm-hmm. describe what's going to come out of the board next are those lines from the book. Cause to me that felt like maybe they're probably pulling those descriptions of events or whatever, what's going to happen mm-hmm. from the book and dropping them into the movie there. Um, no rhyming couplets really in the book. Yeah. That was a movie invention. The consequences of the roles in the book are just written on the squares. Like they would be for a normal board game. Right. Yeah. Cause they don't have a magic um, board and they aren't really interestingly phrased. For example, um, it's just like, monkeys steal food move back one square so there's an interesting okay so this sounds like especially based on what we saw and what we uh what you're now describing like the picture we saw the board like it's very clearly like this it's like a normal board game Mm -hmm. that surprise makes things real things happen in the world yeah or seem you know whether or not they're imagining it or whatever they're but like you know seemingly makes real things happen in the world um but it's it's a very mundane looking object Mm-hmm. Whereas in the movie, it's a very um, <laughs> uh, exciting and mysterious looking object that does all kinds of mysterious stuff. And also, like, it, it's it's much, it's not, hit, like, what it is is not, like, a, it's not, um, like, disguised in the movie. I guess in the same way it is in the book. Where it's, right. you know, when you look at the board game and the pieces are moving on its own and it's, and the, the words are materializing in the middle of the board, you can kind of already tell there's something weird about this board game. Whereas in the book, it's like, eh, it seems like a normal board game. And then mm-hmm. crazy things start happening. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I think the movie, the, the movie's version of that probably makes sense if you're going to have, I mean, one visually, mm-hmm. it makes sense. And two, if you're going to have this object somehow manifest, you know, creatures and and monsters and stuff in the real world making it appear more magical in itself probably is the right choice yeah i think that makes sense i think it systematically makes more sense okay uh does anybody get sucked into jumanji no nobody gets sucked into the board game (sighs) that's a very big change obviously because that's like the whole plot (laughs) is alan Parrish gets sucked into the board and then comes back out okay and then so this that makes sense because when we described briefly to me and we'll talk about it that of what this book was i got the feeling that it's mostly just like random animals and random rooms and houses and then like things yeah kind kind of of. we'll we'll get to it more but so i'm gonna also assume then but maybe not because you did mention that peter and judy are in the book Uh, i was wondering if there was any of the backstory of their deceased parents and then moving in with their aunt or any of that kind of stuff no, none of that is from the book. There are two kids in the book. They are named Judy and Peter. Uh, their parents are gone for most of the book. They're not like they're not like there. You say mo- okay, gone, but yeah, they're like at but work they're not or dead. They yeah. go they go to the opera. Okay, 
Yeah. So kind of like how well he's not going to the opera. He's going to like a like a fancy dinner, a fancy thing. dinner or something. But kind of that idea, mm-hmm. like where they're going out for the evening. Okay. Uh, so based on what I know of the book, as I mentioned earlier, the scene in the movie that to me felt like most like it was probably directly out of the book, almost like, you know, they pulled images from the book onto the screen was when the monkeys show up and we have them like trashing the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I was imagining that in a kid's book drawing and it made sense to me in the, in the kind of way where you would have where you could hide a bunch of fun little things for kids to like find, you know what I mean? Like, you know, there's like ones like making toast or, you know, mm-hmm. you could do stuff like that. And, and that felt like a very kid's book picture book kind of thing. So it's the monkey scene from the book. Yes. The monkeys in the kitchen are directly from the book. I had a feeling again, to me, it felt very much, and we'll post pictures of this on our social media. So you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, and then we'll have some side by side comparisons. But yeah, that one for of all of them to me felt the most obviously from the book. Oh yeah, totally. It just felt like yeah, like I said, it's just like because you can imagine it was the kind of things I loved in books, kind of like a um, it's very different, but similar to like a, a Where's Waldo or mm-hmm. a um, like the uh, whatever the magic uh, not. Are you thinking of I Spy? I Spy, and now that's different. But but yeah. even a lot of kids' books did this very similar thing where you get a scene. And there are right. lots and of little different yeah, like vignettes of, within like, the scene. There's a lot of visual interest to it. Lots of things to look at, which is yeah. um, which is the point of a picture book, right? But but I mean specifically like oh, there's one like he's throwing not juggling knives over in this corner, and then there's one in the fridge, you mm-hmm. know, and there's one at the stove cooking, you know, like that kind of thing where it's like there's mm-hmm. these little tiny things going on within the larger scene of like the chaos that feels very children's book to me. Um, another thing I want to know that I thought was interesting was the giant carnivorous plants because one of them tries to eat Peter. And we talked about in the prequel episode how uh, Ebert, I believe it was, said this movie was too scary for kids. And I, I, I mostly disagreed and I still do disagree, especially mm-hmm. his his example, which was the monkey, the, uh, the, the yeah. kid turning into a monkey. <laughs> well, yeah, given what all is in this movie, I do feel like that's kind of an odd choice, although I could see how maybe that might creep out like a little kid like the idea of it happening yeah i guess because we did get a comment on facebook after our prequel um from a listener about uh that she was scared because after the movie came out her family like bought the board game yeah and she was scared that it would actually happen if they played the game which was like a level of it that i hadn't really considered yeah that like idea that like oh it could happen right (laughs) if we play this game i guess that makes sense for very young which i I guess i mean i guess it is rated pg so like you know there could be you know four-year-olds or something Mm -hmm. watching it but the the but there were particular scenes that I was like you know and the the plant one and in particular the giant yellow one that comes out of the thing that has like weird spider pincers mm-hmm. that look and it kind of looks like it almost has like again like spider like features and it's like trying to eat Peter and it that that scene does feel like something out of almost like a the thing mm-hmm. or something except like a very toned down version yeah, of like the thing creepy. it's pretty uh, intense. Um, and so I kind of understood that. And then some of the other, you know, the spiders, I still think look too silly. Like even me, I don't like spiders and they look so they don't move like like the thing mm-hmm. that makes them not creepy is that they don't move like spiders. Mm-hmm. They like wobble like, they, you know what I mean? <laughs> and the thing that makes spiders really creepy to me that bothers me the most about them is like how they move and then they're quick and that, you know, yeah. like when they dart around or or just like if they move really slow and nah, like creepy. And so these ones being like. 
<laughs> like kind of like just flittering about and like not move, not moving particularly quick. And when they did, it looked silly. I don't know. I never found the spiders that scary in the movie. But the the this giant plant thing, I, I could see a little bit more being scared by. Um, and is that in the book? No, no, no carnivorous giant plants. carnivorous plants in the book. Okay. Uh, what about Van Pelt, the human hunter? <laughs> Not from the book. I had a feeling that one yeah. wasn't. Again, I, I'm assuming that it's mostly like animals, like different. It's mostly animals. You know. Yeah. Um, a character like Van Pelt, I think, would be a little bit of a challenge to have in like yeah. a 20 page. Yeah picture book because van pelt's all 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 about like the uh, the themes of the movie yeah and about like the father-son relationship and he's like literally the manifestation of he's played by jonathan hyde he's he's, Mm -hmm. he's played by the same character who plays alan's dad um and it's that you know his disappointment in him manifests. Sim- yeah, his symbol, the symbolic manifestation of the ills in their father-son relationship yeah. yeah and that's a little bit tough to i mean you yeah. could do it it would just be a lot a little bit not uh, yeah it's definitely turns it into a different book than uh what i it kind of seems like it is uh also speaking of van pelt there's a scene in the movie where his gun that he brought from jumanji this giant like elephant rifle thing runs out of ammunition and he goes to a gun store to get some more and they don't have any but so they they're he needs a new gun because they don't they stopped making whatever ammunition you know mm-hmm. 100 years ago or something and uh, he needs a new gun, and uh, it becomes a scathing indictment of American gun uh, <laughs> control and gun culture uh, is that he slams a bunch of gold coins on the counter and all the paperwork is brushed aside. And now the movie plays it completely as a joke. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it's played as a joke, I found even more of a scathing indictment <laughs> of our like American gun culture. Um uh, <laughs> Uh, and so I thought it was really interesting, uh, and I assumed that nothing like that. Obviously, Van Pelt's not in the book, right. but no, I'm assuming nothing. No, that's not in the book. I do think it's an interesting scene because I have to wonder. I don't think that would be played quite the same way now. Probably a not scene like that. No, probably not. I mean, because you can read it as like yeah, an indictment can. of yeah. yeah, sort of uh, gun control and gun like our the gun culture and that sort of thing. You definitely can, um, but you also it's played so clearly as like just a laugh that you can also just read it as like kind of fun and mm-hmm. funny and silly. Um, I will say it's probably the thing one of the things that's like aged the worst, maybe. But again, even though well, I don't necessarily that's true because again, you can read it like in a, in the current day, you read it more critically and more uh, and right yeah so it kind of still works um but in general i was surprised at how little how 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 well the movie aged mm-hmm. in regards to mostly like not having at least i'm sure there was a few moments that i could think of um that would probably the jokes would be made maybe slightly different but it didn't have you know because 1995 it's very easy for these movies to fall into the pit of having like weird homophobia or and transphobia like all kinds of stuff like that and this movie really didn't No, it's held up remarkably well remarkably well there's some moments uh, where they're kind of making jokes about how like when robin williams comes out of the board about how he's actually crazy and like Mm -hmm. you know that could seem potentially maybe like kind of borderline ableist jokes of some sort Mm -hmm. and i can get that um for sure and uh but but other than that there's not really yeah we really avoided like you said like the weird kind of homophobic transphobic jokes that are often that are just generally in media from this era um i have a note about it later 
but um given that this is like a jungle theme i feel like we got away with no yeah. weird racism either yeah we did generally avoid the weird like uh playing in any sort of weird racial stereotype or yeah. not you know but like or like any sort of weird like um I, don't know, I can't remember the right word for it um but yeah of uh because like robin williams comes out and he's not wearing like you know he's wearing like clothes that are you know could be made from stuff in the mm-hmm. in the jungle but it's not like specifically at least to me didn't seem like it was specifically like parodying or like calling back to a specific mm-hmm. like tribal culture of any so you know what i mean like yeah. it didn't feel like oh they're like that's clearly supposed to be like a i think I don't the, know. The, like the only thing potentially and this is what i had a note about later is like the drum sound effect yeah potentially but we don't ever like you know we never get like a band of savage yeah. natives don't yeah come they don't out like come the chasing them out of the board or they yeah. don't show up and yeah because that and that would be an easy one you think could potentially yeah. happen um and yeah i mean but but drums being associated with I mean, drums are associated with tons of cultures in tons of different ways, and it, I, I, could, I see what your point. I definitely see your point, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I think you could make an argument for it or against it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and actually, I thought it was also funny is that, you know, uh, the only other thing you could talk is, is that we have one of our protagonists-ish of the movie is a cop, mm-hmm. but it is funny that he only became a cop because capitalism destroyed him. <laughs> This is a scathing indictment of when things go back to normal and he isn't he isn't thrown out on his ass and the city doesn't descend into hellscape because mm-hmm. one um because one, one factory, factory closed. Down, yeah. Uh he doesn't have to be a cop anymore. He gets to continue making the shoes that he that follow his passion and continue making his shoes. And I was like, is this movie woker than it meant to be? <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was interesting. So does one of the kids turn into a monkey? This is another one. We talked about this and we'll get into it. Um, I, I, I did, again, did not find the monkey scene creepy. He looks Mm-mm. just kind of like a silly, like he does look a little more like a werewolf than a monkey in my opinion, other than when we see his tail eventually. Yeah. But we, uh, the thing that like, and I thought this was the case, but we don't see him transform. No, there's not like a horrific moment no. where his face like morphs, morphs or, or does. Because then I would be like, sure, you know, if you get like yeah. an American werewolf in London, like transformation or something. But we don't get that. Like we just he's like, ah, and then his hands are furry. And then when, by the time we see him again, he's just he completely just looks, a monkey, yeah, like monkey. And so I, I didn't find it particularly scary. And I, and I as a kid, I remember not thinking it was particularly mm-hmm. scary um, or, or weird or anything. So uh, but does that happen in the book? No, no transformations or uh, light body horror <laughs> or anything like that. Okay. So does it, none of the kids try to cheat and it doesn't backfire on no. them? No. Okay. Uh, how about the monsoon scene? This is another one that I felt like could have been a scene. Uh, uh, it felt like very much one of those like moments that could have happened in the book where we get like the whole house turns into like a jungle or a mm-hmm. rainforest and there's water filling up um and it's also one of those things that I think is a very, uh, at least to me, it was when I was a kid and still is to some extent. But as a kid, it was one of those things that my imagination loved running wild with. And I would love reading about or, or watching in movies and stuff is places that shouldn't be full of water, full of water. Uh-huh. It's a very interesting thing to me, like the idea of swimming around in your house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Something about that is very whimsical and like interesting. At least it was to me as a kid more so, you know, and, I, and I'm so I'm assuming I'm not unique in that regard. And that <laughs> the idea of like your house filling up with water is something that kids just find 
fascinating or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so uh, it wouldn't surprise me if it was in the book as it happened. There is a monsoon in the book. It does rain and there's a lot of like um, fog they mention. It doesn't turn into a flood slash river. So the house doesn't fill up with water and regrettably no one wrestles a crocodile. Dang. Okay. Uh, speak again. Getting on to the scary things, giant spiders. I say scary. I like I said, I didn't really find them that scary as somebody who doesn't even like spiders. Are they from the book? They are not. Okay. There are moments of them that are creepy. The creepiest moment, I think, there's like two. There's one when they first comes down in the background. Yeah, the one that the goes one past that, the window. The one that first like, like comes down on the string. That's yeah, like the that's creepiest the creepiest moment. part in my opinion. And after that, it, you know, it gets a little less creepy. Um, and then there's one other, like, the close-ups of, like, their face and their jaws. Like, that's also kind of, uh. Yeah. But anytime you see them moving, not so <laughs> creepy. <laughs> Especially because in one particular moment, you can tell there being somebody, there's like a there's like a string tied to them. Mm-hmm. Because at one point when Peter gets the axe and he's swinging the axe at them, they just, like, teleport backwards. <laughs> and it's so clearly, because he can't hit these expensive robots with an axe. Right. They need to do more takes or whatever. And, or even if he did, it would just break and look like a robot, you know, or like a plastic or whatever. And so he, whenever he goes to swing an axe at it, it just, it just like slides back three feet. It's like so clearly somebody had a rope and was like, Whoop, and just yanked it backwards. Again, it just don't move like spiders. Um, okay, so getting to the end here and how it all wraps up, there's the big dramatic moment in the movie, which is a ton of fun. I love it so much. Um, and I have a very visceral reaction to the sound effects and the sound design in this particular moment, which is uh, it's Robin Williams' turn. He needs to roll a three. He's three spaces away. If he rolls a three, he lands on it and he wins the game and it's over. And he's uh, he's down by himself and he gets confronted by Van Pelt. And he's holding the dice and then he, he drops them from his hand because Van Pelt says, drop whatever you're holding. And he drops it and it's their dice. One falls out and it's a one on the board and then the other one falls down, 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 down. down. Because at, at this point, there's been an earthquake that is. Was there an earthquake? In yeah. The book? No, was, not in the no, book. No, not in the no. book. OK. At this point in the movie, there's been an earthquake that's like split the whole house in two, created a big chasm down, you know. Hundreds of feet or whatever, and he drops the die and it tumbles and it's like skipping downstairs and off things and it rolls and rolls and rolls. And the sound effect it makes as it tumbles down all those things warms my soul. I don't know why (laughs) that specific sound effect, the. I don't know, something about it. I just love it. I love it so much. Um, And then it finally lands and, you know, teeters right on the edge of like this falling into the abyss uh, and it lands on a two. And he, his piece moves onto the board and he sees it, but he doesn't mm-hmm. know because he didn't know what he rolled, but he sees it moves on. He says Jumanji and he wins. Um, is there a dramatic die roll, that kind of dramatic moment? At the, I'm assuming not. <laughs> no, there's no dramatic <laughs> die roll. OK, uh, how does it end in the book? Does everything? Well, first, I mean, so then everything gets sucked into the board in the movie. Mm-hmm. Is that how, what happens in the book? Does everything get sucked in or does it just like magic? pop back Um, to normal no dramatic scene with everything getting sucked back in it just resets everything is as it was before the game began so somebody just rolls to the p board or like somebody just wins it's judy in the book who wins okay and she rolls and gets to the center and yells jumanji okay and then everything like snap resets resets that's kind of what i've expected versus the movies like big you know, mm-hmm. CG festive swirly, which yeah, you could do. Yeah. You could do something. You could you draw could, like a tornado could. with animals sticking out of it for sure. Um, 
but it uh that's kind of what i assumed would would happen in the book because it just kind of snaps and resets and then finally do they peter and judy in the book um in the movie it's sarah and uh alan they take it they tie some bricks to it and chuck it in a river uh only to be found washed up on the shores of some faraway country Mm -hmm. um uh to be found by some other children do we have that same kind of not cliffhanger but you know i guess you know what i I don't know what that's called of the story yeah uh that's cyclical yeah that's cyclical ending or Mm -hmm. something um kind of yeah uh the kids initially find it in the park in the book they uh, find the game in the park and after they have played and won they're like we got to get rid of this let's put it back (laughs) so they put it back in the park um where they found it after they play and then at the very end of the book we see two more kids taking it back out of the park so they do have that part at least where it's like ah somebody else found it yeah oh no it's gonna happen again okay just slightly different scenarios. All right. Those were all the questions I had. I didn't have a Lost in Adaptation. Um, it's not really anything. I doubt I could have helped. Yeah. And that was the, that was the <laughs> other thing with these kind of books. It's like, even if I had had a question, I don't think you would have. The yeah. book would have had much more background on it. But I didn't I didn't really have any questions. Uh, it was pretty straightforward in terms of the rules, which is, I think, one of the reasons the movie does work as well as it does. Because mm. I do love this movie quite a bit. I think it's quite good. Much better than the reviews at the time. Um, or at least it's a lot of fun. Like it's a very yeah. digestible. It's one of, it was like an hour and 45 minutes and it felt like it went by yeah. in no time. It's such an easily watchable movie. Um, uh, so I didn't really have any questions for Lost in Adaptation, but we do have better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. So I don't have a ton of things. Here, yeah. I've got a couple things that were, like, left out of the movie. Right. Um, one is that when the kids initially find the game, there is a note on it warning them to read all the instructions uh, first. Yeah. And, of course, they don't because they're kids. They're kids, yeah. And a couple other things that can, um, come out of the game board in the book that aren't in the movie. Uh, there's a volcano eruption in the book and lava comes out of the fireplace which is kind of fun yeah um and there's also a scene with like a boa constrictor lounging about the living room yeah which is uh, a fun tableau for a picture book i bet for the lava thing they had to choose their big like environmental set piece Mm -hmm. and they were like the monsoon and the earthquake are both doable and doable practically. Yeah. Whereas the lava would have to be CG and they're right. already dumping a ton of money in the right. animals, which the animals look pretty good. Like yeah, it, they it actually held up terrible. pretty well too. The monkeys probably look the worst because mm-hmm. they have to do the most, but like the stampede of animals looks pretty, pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, but there's a ton of really cool practical effects in this. Like all the plants or like most of the scenes with the plants and uh, the, 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 the flooding of the house and all that. Um, they were like, we can do that. We can do the earthquake part, uh, and we'll sleep out the um, the lava, the yeah. the volcano. I think there is. I've seen so the the re, the reboot, whatever you want to call it, the sequel. It is a sequel, yeah, it I is think, a sequel technically, but it really doesn't have anything to do with the previous one because um, it's a video game mm-hmm. in the in the sequel. Um, but I, I saw the first one, um, Welcome to the Jungle, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't remember, but I think there might be a volcano in that one. Hmm. I think I don't can't recall for sure it's been like over a year since i watched it but i remember enjoying it uh and i think there might have been a volcano because they're actually on like an island 
Yeah. They go like into Jumanji yeah, they, yeah, in yeah, yeah. All right. That was it for Better in the Book. Let's talk about what was better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. I really enjoyed the increased lore around the game that we talked about earlier, like seeing it like hop from generation to generation. Yeah. I thought the the bad vibes around the game are especially palpable after we start out with the kids burying it yeah. in the 1860s or I whatever. At the great line, may God have mercy. <laughs> what if somebody finds it? May God have mercy on their souls. <laughs> Overly dramatic in yeah. a fun way. I also love the design of the game in the movie, like we mentioned, uh, that it's pretty basic in the book. Then the illustrations are black and white, which you guys will see when I do my side-by-side post. Uh, But the text says that the board has colored squares. So I kind of preferred, you know, in the book and in the movie, it's kind of like a stark, like, black and white. Yeah. Like. Yeah, the board is, like, kind of has colors on it, but the pathway is, like, white. Yeah. Yeah. Like ivory, it's probably probably supposed to look like ivory or something. Right, um, and I thought the movies like carved animal mm-hmm. game pieces They're were more cool. interesting than like the pieces from Sorry. <laughs> yeah, um, I uh, love every single thing about the board game in this movie. Yes, I mean, like we said, like basically the game in the book sounds like a normal board game, and the movies version feels like some cursed object <laughs> that manifested in the wretched ethos of time. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just more interesting, I think. For sure. Uh, The movie's story has layers. Uh, The book is pretty simple, which is fine. It's a picture book. Uh, But I really enjoyed the addition of the two plot lines and how they intersected, plus having the added personal conflicts of Alan and his father and Judy and Peter's parents having died um, and the way that all of that kind of, like, overlapped. And then then including with that... um... Uh, Alan's relationship with Peter yeah because of his relationship with his dad I mean they they it's not subtle they like literally Alan says 26 years is trapped in a jungle and I still turned into my father yeah. or whatever like so it's on the nose but it's yeah there's it is nice how they kind of connected those and it, it's a, yeah it's a nice little message mm-hmm. and again not a, a non-problematic message like in terms mm-hmm. of like just having you talk to your kids <laughs> like have a, <laughs> love your kids talk to them don't be an asshole you know kind of not nothing like extremely profound but but also nothing a, that aged a nice terribly. wholesome message <laughs> yeah um in the book there is a guide that comes out of the game like a human guide uh, but he doesn't interact with the kids the idea is that the guide is lost so he basically just like puzzles over his map mm. the whole time um but i thought that alan's character was kind of a good like extension of that idea he's not from the game but he knows about jumanji and how to handle what else comes out so he is able to act as a guide of sorts yeah 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 absolutely it gives you the guide character without and then also you get to avoid (laughs) what that guide character could have ended up being in a 1995 movie uh (laughs) having it just be robin williams coming back is preferable (laughs) I also really liked the Van Pelt character. I thought including a direct villain was a good idea rather than having the villain just be the game. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a manifestation of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's an interesting play on 
that character trope of like the English hunter. Yeah, the colonial colonizer. Yeah. 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 Um, I like that the film used him to essentially force Alan's character growth. I also enjoyed his hat. He does have a great pith helmet. Yes, it was a great pith you'll, helmet. You'll love a good pith helmet. Uh, <laughs> problematic uh, history aside, it's you'll prob- love a good... Uh, problematic headgear. You gotta love a good pith helmet. But it's a great silhouette. <laughs> um, speaking of character growth, I also thought the movie did good with character growth for all four main characters. Mm-hmm. We all got uh, a little bit of growth each. Um, Alan, most of all. Yeah, Alan for sure the most. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it all kind of like overlapped and fit into the other elements of the story really well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I guess Kirsten Dunst probably also doesn't, has like maybe the least, I would say, um, her character. Peter grows, um, you know, yeah. from being not, you know, he's not speaking and, and not being able to process the trauma of like his parents thing. Right. To being able to kind of deal with it a little bit more. Um, and she is, she is able to stop lying. Yeah, in the end. yeah. I guess we, I guess we just I don't feel like we know necessarily see as much of a concrete example of that growth mm-hmm. in the same way. But we there is still definitely mm-hmm. it's still there. Yeah, like she's not as much of like the snarky kind of like mm-hmm. liar that she is at the beginning. <laughs> Some random additions to the story that I think were good. The carnivorous vines and flower, horrifically vaginal though it was. Uh, Peter becoming a monkey boy, mm-hmm. thought was an interesting addition. Loved the crocodile in the monsoon river and the giant spiders. All things that we mentioned that were not in the book that I thought were good additions to the film. Mm-hmm. I also really like the climax of the film. The stakes get really high at the culmination of everything. Um, we've got Van Pelt. Uh, Judy has been poisoned by the flowers. The dice falling dramatically, as we discussed. And then Alan's triumphant Jumanji when he Jumanji. wins. Uh, it's a very satisfying conclusion oh, so to everything that happened. Yeah. Um, and especially, I think, the fact that it is Alan who ultimately wins and is able to set everything right. Yeah. Um, because he is the one who kicked it off. Yeah, it was him. Uh, yeah, it was his his fault, for lack of a better word, at mm-hmm. the beginning. Um, and, you know, and, and yeah, him being the one who finally takes res- sort of responsibility at the end uh, when he wouldn't take responsibility for mm-hmm. things at the beginning. Um, and he was trying to run away from his problems and all that sort of stuff and ultimately finds runs the furthest possible away by running into a, you know, a board <laughs> a, a game, fictional universe. a fictional universe for 26 <laughs> years. Um, but then, yeah, be, uh, coming back and learning from that and, and sort of deciding not to run away anymore. I mean, again, none of it's super subtle, but it, it's yeah. it's subtle enough and works in a way that it's it doesn't feel like as a kid, you don't feel like you're being like. You're watching like an after school special right. being moralized to. Um, and and I think, yeah, I think it works really well. And I thought it was surprised to read in a lot of the, some of the reviews at the time that they thought like the story wasn't very good. You know, like I it's like, the oh, the story's really good. Yeah, I think it's quite good for for what it's trying to do. Like it, yeah. it, for a movie that's mostly like crazy fun set pieces and like, you know, uh, <laughs> stampedes through downtown and like all this chaos and stuff to still have a relatively... And, and uh, from my memory, Welcome to the Jungle has a similar type of, mm-hmm. you know, it's all this crazy over the top stuff, but it but it's still a grounded um, moral message at its heart that that mm-hmm. works pretty well. Yeah, th- this movie has spectacle, but it's not just spectacle, yeah. which I think is really important. Yeah. 
Um, and my last note here, I really liked the movie's denouement. I think the fact that everything pops back to 1969 when the game originally started is really interesting. Yeah. I like that all four main characters really do get like a hard reset on yeah. their lives. Yeah. Peter, um, Alan and Sarah get to live an extra 26 years. Right. <laughs> I mean, Alan, you know, it's funny is that Alan goes on to just to like take over the the shoe company. Mm -hmm. It's like he he could have been the next Bear Grylls. <laughs> like, why didn't he go into like survive? I guess he just didn't want to. You know, he's yeah. like, nah, I already I lived it for 26 years. I'm good. But he has all this like real world survival knowledge that <laughs> could really uh, he could really sell if he wanted to. But well, what about Sarah, though? She knows everything that happens from 1969 to 1995. She And she I doesn't like become a psychic. <laughs> I'm saying she should have got in on the ground floor of, like, the dot-com boom oh, or yeah. something. Oh, yeah. Like, she, come on now. Yeah. Yeah, and it is funny, in retrospect, yeah, because in, in, in the original timeline, she's a psychic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You know, and then when she goes back, she actually could predict things, she could. but she doesn't. She, could, yeah. she uses her power for good, only to save <laughs> Peter and Judy's parents, apparently. <laughs> or I don't know. They they're they're they they maintain that we don't know. They could have tons of other. They could be incredibly rich. They True. they still yeah. have that giant. We, we don't house. really know what they do. Yeah, I mean, we know he runs the company. Like yeah. he runs, you know, pair of shoes or whatever, because he's talking about putting out a new cross trainer or whatever but uh you never know they could be also have just other billions of dollars in could, like investments they could. they could basically own like microsoft or something <laughs> you never have any idea all right um oh and i thought it was interesting too in the movie that i mean it makes sense because we reset to before judy and peter were born but so they don't remember mm -hmm. um sarah and yeah. And Alan, yeah. but Alan and Sarah remember them because even though it's a little, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I do. I do like the dating model a lot. We don't get anything like that. It's just like over, I assume, in the book. Yeah. And just like, yeah, oh, everything's back to normal. Yay. And like, then their parents come home and they're like, whew, whoosh. Pretty, yeah. They do like, yeah, kind of figured that was the ending. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about what the movie nailed. As I expected, practically perfect in every way. A handful of things. I mentioned that the kids are named Judy and Peter, so the movie held on to that. The monkeys are in the kitchen. The lion, when we first see him, is on the piano. So that was a holdover. Yeah. Um, the rhino stampede. There is a rhino stampede in the book. You could see it here on the cover. Yeah, it is on the cover. Yeah. Uh, the movie has other animals in the stampede, too, but it starts with rhinos, mm -hmm. so I'm going to call it close enough. Um, that The scene in the movie where they're stampeding down the hallway yeah. looks pretty similar to what we get in the book. Yeah. We probably pretty much just stay in the house in the book, right? Yeah. 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 We don't go, like, around town or mm -hmm. whatever. Okay. That's kind of what I, kind of what I figured. Um, and then the, there is a monsoon. All right, cool. Let's go ahead and get to a few odds and ends, and then we'll hit the final verdict. I always found the scene of Alan. There's like two or three moments in this movie. It's one of those things because I watched it so much when I was a kid. I mean, this movie came out in 95. I saw it. I, I don't know if I saw it in theaters, but I saw it. 
within a year or two on, you know, home DVD or, or home VHS or whatever and watched it a ton when I was like seven or eight years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a lot of moments that are like, you know, sort of <laughs> solidified in my memory. Um, and, and I mentioned the die roll and the sound of it at the end. But another moment that I always found very viscerally satisfying in a way that I could never explain was the moment where Alan digs the the chest out of the mm-hmm. he like walks up to a they're like digging a, a foundation or something for a fa- whatever some some construction site yeah. and he walks up to like a wall of dirt and he and he starts digging it open because he's hearing the drums and then he pulls the chest out and the act of him like digging the dirt out that like i guess it's just the idea the same way of like digging up dinosaur bones sounds super sad like super mm-hmm. is like uh like viscerally like <laughs> a thing as a kid you wanted to do this idea of like digging some cool old chest out of the side of a dirt wall is like i don't know it's just one of those do you get what i'm saying no like, i totally get what you're saying yeah. i was always trying to dig shit up as a kid <laughs> yeah where you just like you just wanted that experience you just, of like, just like start digging and maybe you'll find something cool maybe you'll find something and then that moment of oh my god he found something and it, the way the dirt <laughs> clumps off like uh-huh. the way he pulls off uh everything about it is so so satisfying and i was jealous of that kid being able to do that <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you lucky. Um, but then also, I also really love after he pulls the chest out and opens it. And then there, it's like uh, the, the game board is inside, but it's like buried in sand. And mm-hmm. then he picks it up and tilts it and all the sand runs off. Yeah. I mean, that's less support. Like, that's just like standard. Um, uh, whatchamacallit? Uh, oddly satisfying fare. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> there's like a subreddit called oddly satisfying. Mm-hmm. that's like stuff like that, you know. Um, but like the, the way the sand like runs off and reveals the it's like watching somebody do sand art or something. Yeah. Um, it's just one of those. It's like visual ASMR. Um, and yeah, but that that in particular moment, too, also really always stuck out to me as a kid when that sand runs off. And like because of the intricately carved cover, mm-hmm. the like way it runs off is really neat. Anyways, I love that scene. <laughs> I have a couple notes here about the special effects. That sucked into the game special effect when Alan first gets sucked in and his fingers are like. Yeah. <laughs> I think it looks cool. I don't remember the sound effect. Um, oh, the special yeah, effect. Yeah, the special Sorry, the sound effect. Yeah. I, it looks all right. <laughs> I mean, it looks wild. Like when it's, yeah, when his fingers are like. Looks a little goofy. Um um, and then so we had somebody on Twitter, I think it was April. I think it was April. Who said they thought the animals were meant to look stylized yeah. and not necessarily realistic. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that because I feel like it's kind of hard to tell yeah. if it's stylized or if it's just a shortcoming of the special effects capabilities. And I guess at it depends time. on which ones you're talking about. If you're talking about the CG or the the pro like the, right. the physical special effect animals because like the the lion um the spiders the bats to some extent uh and several others i'm sure throughout the course of the movie are like practical mm-hmm. like puppets and stuff like that um whereas the monkeys and the rhino like stampeding mm-hmm. animals and all and all those oh the crocodiles also like a a big animatronic puppet thing um and then the other ones are CG. I don't think any of them looked particularly stylized, in my opinion. I mean, mm-hmm. the spiders didn't look like any specific spider. Like, they're huge for one thing. Right. Um, and they're also just don't, they didn't, to me, read as like, oh, that's 
a tra- they don't look like tarantulas, yeah. you know, they don't look like black widows necessarily, kind of that body shape a little bit. I guess like maybe an orb weaver or something. I was something, thinking, yeah, like an orb weaver maybe. Potentially. But even those, they usually have like a, not as big round of an abdomen, I don't think. Um, it's more of like a longer, anyways, or not, maybe not abdomen, whatever the bottom part is. The butt the part. Thorax? Is it the thorax? Is I don't know. Thorax? I don't know everything about that. I don't know. I don't me. care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care because I don't like it. Um, the monkeys look, I mean, their faces are overly an, like animated yeah. to the to let them express and yeah. stuff a little bit. Um, but I thought like the stampeding animals didn't look, they looked particularly realistic. They looked fairly I realistic. I thought the stampede looked pretty good. Yeah. Of course, not, we don't have to like see anything super up close. No. With the stampede. Yeah. So I'm sure that helps. But they didn't look overtly stylized to me in the, in a way that, um, that I would be like, oh, out clearly, you know, that's, they're going for like a look versus right. like. They're trying to evoke the idea versus like trying to photorealistically display them. I thought the stampede animals looked pretty much just like what they would look like. Um, same for most of them. The lion, I mean, looks a little again, its face is maybe a little more expressive than. Yeah, the lion is a little maybe a little bit cartoony. Yeah. Again, because they're doing like an animatronic yeah. type of thing, it feels a little like you're watching a um, a Chuck E. Cheese Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like a really good Chuck E. Like Cheese a monster. Really good Chuck a really Cheese. good Cheese. Um, Chuck E. Cheese robot or Showtime Pizza robot for other people or I don't know. You know, pick your local pizza arcade chain that had animatronic animals. <laughs> um, I don't know what they had in Canada. I, I don't either. So this might not apply to April. I don't think they had Chuck E. Cheese. Maybe they had Showbiz Pizza because that was I know up like in the northern parts of America. Uh but I don't know what Canada. I'm sure had. we'll find out from our Canadian. Canada. Friends. What was your guys's local pizza <laughs> and arcade eatery that had animatronic animals? <laughs> Everybody had one of those. What was yours? I thought I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but the 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 idea in the, that we're presented with in the movie is that because Alan went disappeared into the board game and his dad like sort of descended into depression and yeah. and uh, obsession with finding him. Uh, resulted in their factory shutting down because he couldn't take care of the business anymore. And then we're, it, we're to assume from that that all of this sort of urban decay that we're seeing in the movie, like when they walk through the downtown area, it's like all graffitied and there's yeah. like, there's there's um, uh, people living on the streets everywhere. And and uh, again, like uh, of later on, everybody's like looting everything um, mm-hmm. when, when shit hits the fan. And uh it's just like again urban decay gone wild in this like small town probably relative it seems like it's supposed yeah. to be a relatively small town and the idea the thing that's really struck to me to me is like in this movie the, <laughs> the, the this this entire city falling into disarray is a result of one business folding and i'm like man if that's the case if one business folding is enough to dump your city and the entire area into complete economic uh, poverty and homelessness maybe you should reassess your economic system <laughs> i mean yeah cuz that can happen i know i know it ha- i mean yeah that happened but, with like yeah. the uh, with the automotive dealerships in you know um in the uh um Michigan and so like you know yeah. up in the the steel belt and stuff it definitely absolutely can and did and has and will happen <laughs> but again it's like if that's happening uh, man yeah I know this is a kids movie I do feel like it's something that the movie went like a little weirdly exaggerated on 
Like when they go through the town, they're just yes. like homeless people. Like like it's just homeless people. Yeah, it, it almost like feels like it around. descends into like a post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And this is before the board game has done anything in terms yeah, of like. Yeah, it does look post-apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. And I, then I was like, why would the ant want to move there? Like it doesn't seem like she wants yeah, to like open a, a bed, bed and, and breakfast. breakfast, but like who's gonna come there? Yeah, because it, it to does your bed and breakfast. Yeah, she really is trying to gentrify the shit yeah. out of it, and it's yeah, I don't know, it's it's weird. It was a weird again. I get the the idea they're going for like a butterfly effect, like right. this one action has you know had giant yeah. ramifications for this whole area, um, and it, I, it's kind of interesting. But again, the movie doesn't really make have any commentary on right. it. Um, to me, it's just like, boy, this that's a scathing indictment of our economic system that this one shoe factory shutting down means everybody's homeless for the next hundred years in this or 30 years in this town. I mean, it's interesting, though, because I think you could read it as an indictment. And certainly you and I are inclined to do so. It's the same as the gun thing, though. Yeah. But you could also read it as well, once the factory right. comes back. Yes. Capitalism is good, actually. Yes. And I agree that the movie's point isn't, oh, it's such a shame that our economic system hinges so so so, so um, dramatically on one person in this town, yeah, uh, and the capital that he owns, and that when that when the, when that all falls into disarray, the, it really is sort of a Randian like um, great man theory that this movie mm-hmm. is putting forth in that. Uh, 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 Sam Sam Parrish, I believe, is his name. Um, that his his alone, his greatness is what is sort of uh, lifting this the city and holds act- the town together. Yeah, he. I mean, he is John Galt or whatever yeah. in in this situation. I haven't read that shitty book. I don't care if that's not the right reference, but <laughs> <laughs> but he, yeah, he is like the the beacon of of um, capitalist success. And I, but to me, yes, for for us, for watching this movie, to me, it was just like, boy, what an indictment of our system that when that one guy had a personal crisis and his and couldn't deal with like what was going on with his business anymore, everybody else had to die and starve because yeah. of it. Great, good, good economic system, us. Uh, so shortly after we first see the uh, dystopian nightmare that is this small town in the 90s, um, when uh, Alan is trying to find his parents and he's running around town, he goes to the shoe factory and there's a guy, I, 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 is he supposed to be like a squatter living there? Yeah, he's, he's, he's another guy? one of the homeless, yeah. he's another person who's, yeah, has been homeless and is is like, yeah, essentially squatting there. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, so they have a conversation with him. And he asks if his parents are still there. Yeah. And this guy is like, they're over on Adam Street. Cut to... He says, "I they're over on Adam Street. I still see them from time yeah. to time. Cut to gravestones. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, Jesus Christ, dude. Why would you put it like that? Phrasing. What is... <laughs> just say that they're dead. Just be like, oh, I'm sorry. They, they passed. passed away. <laughs> they're buried over on Adam Street. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, what? Why? They're over on Adam Street. Still see them from time to time. By which I mean... 
Yeah. Their gravestones. And it's also interesting because it's the character isn't played as like sort of neurotic. Like no. he has no other you I mean, know, he's played very much as like a kindly a older kindly man. A kindly older man who's just like, you know, on tough times and kind of yeah. living in this factory or whatever. And he but yes, he doesn't also doesn't seem like he doesn't say anything else that's like cryptic s- or worded strangely. You know yeah. what I mean? He just Everything else he says sounds totally like sort of normal and it's it's worded straightforward. And then this one, he, he's like, "Got him!" Like it cuts back. It cut, I imagine it should cut to the gravestone uh, and Robin Williams there crying, and then it cuts back to him sitting at, at the desk in that in that room in the top of the factory, just laughing his ass off, just fucking having a good old chuckle at the prank he played on Robin Williams. I don't know. It's so weird. I also always loved the part in uh, the Sir Save a Lot, the the mm-hmm. like uh, store at the end where um, <laughs> Peter builds uh, the hunters coming for them, and Peter builds uh, like a Home Alone <laughs> contrap a contraption mm-hmm. out of a canoe and uh, scuba diving bottles that they have for some reason because a lot of scuba diving done in this like northeastern. <laughs> This is just one of those, is it a coastal one of those town, stores that sells everything. Literally everything. They have Literally scuba diving everything. tanks. Yeah. I guess it's a coastal town. We never see the ocean yeah. or anything. I guess you could scuba dive. Maybe there's cave diving up there. I don't know. Um, but it still seems strange that this like Walmart has scuba diving tanks. But what do I know? But he builds this contraption um, that he uses to like launch at a Van Pelt. And I always really enjoyed that part because it does. It reminds me of like Home Alone or something. Um and I also always, the scene after that, Van Pelt gets hit by this canoe and he ends up like going through a wall. Mm-hmm. And then he gets out and he starts walking at them. He says, he always said, I remembered this as a kid, that he always said something like, ah, cock, cock. And I was like, what is he, as a kid, I always wanted to know what he was saying. Like, I was, I couldn't tell if he was saying something. Uh-huh. And it, me being a dumb kid, I was like, is he saying something, something that I just don't know, like, what he's saying? Like, yeah. is that some weird, like, phrase or, like, old-timey phrase? Or, like, is he, <laughs> what is he saying? And I remember as a kid rewinding and playing, trying to understand what he was saying and never being able to figure it out. And this time when we watched it, I we had it. We were watching it on Amazon and they have a feature where when you back up after you've played through it once, if you hit the back button a few times, then it plays through with subtitles, mm-hmm. which is an incredible feature. feature. Every every streaming every service, streaming should, service have should have that. Oh, my God. When I saw that on the settings one time and I was like, is this what I think it is? And then we tried it. I was like, this is the. Whoever came up with this, you're brilliant. Um, because that drives me crazy. I don't want subtitles on all the time, but if I don't understand what they said, boom, back 15 seconds. Now I instantly know what they said. Moving on, life's great. Oh, I love it. Um, but we did that, and it just says mumbling noises yeah. <laughs> or grumbling noises or something <laughs> like that. And I was like, oh, dang. So he is just going, rah, gah, gah. he's not actually saying anything. Yeah. Boo. Okay. <laughs> Fine. A couple notes on Bonnie Hunt's character that I had. Uh, one, they got really lucky that she still lived in that same town. In the same house. Even. Yeah. Because yeah. I like, I would have left. Yeah, you would expect that she would have been like, gotten out of Dodge. Yeah. Like, nah, I'm not sticking around where everybody thinks I'm like crazy. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, also, really dug her aesthetic in this movie. Yeah. Like the, the the braid and the jewelry and mm-hmm. like the kind of a kind of a nineties bohemian. Yeah, look. it is. She was kind of bohemian type of deal. Yeah, no, it works for. Her. I always thought this as a kid, and I still think it now. And obviously, the reason they don't do this is because you don't have a movie otherwise. Yeah, but they they really take their time in between people rolling. Mm-hmm. They do better at the very end. 
at the very, very end, they kind of start, and, and it's in particular when Robin Williams falls through the floor, he gets up and immediately grabs the dice and is going to roll. It's like, thank God somebody finally is like not met. <laughs> but like the rest of this movie, somebody will roll, they'll read the thing, and then they'll sit there, and then and even once they're out of harm's way of whatever the thing is, it still takes them forever to start going again. If they just rolled, pick up next person, pick up the dice, roll. Don't even read. The, don't. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? Just keep rolling. Keep rolling. There's no like she says. It's all luck. You just got to get to the end. Just keep rolling. Keep rolling. Like that. They could have been done with that game in like ten minutes. <laughs> like not even. It would have taken them no time at all. If they just would have been like, all right, speed roll, speed roll. <laughs> they don't do it. My last note here was about. I I really enjoyed the denouement, like I mentioned, but I also felt like Robin Williams and Bonnie Hunt's characters were being a little creepy. Oh, yes. When they re-meet the kids. Like, they don't know you. No. You're being weird. You're being a little weird. (laughs) A little weird. A little weird, for sure. They definitely are. Um, but I mean, how could they not? I, that would be one of those. It's like one of those scenarios that's like, how do you even know? No, I know. I how to it. act in that situation. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, oh, look, those those kids we saw 26 years ago in, in, a, in, in an alternate, alternate timeline. timeline. <laughs> OK, well, my mind can handle this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, too, that I so I remember I said I saw this, you know, when it came out in 95 or like within a year after that. Um, and I was like seven at the time. And this might have been. I was thinking when we watched it, because when this moment, there's a moment in the movie where Peter's um, running down to the shed to get an axe, mm-hmm. and he and he, the shed's locked, and then he looks around and he grabs an axe off the ground and starts hacking at the lock, and then realizes that he oh that's the axe, and then he he square he looks square into the camera, and they do a mm-hmm. fourth wall break, and I was like, is this the first fourth wall break that I'd like ever seen? And I was thinking about it. And I think maybe in live action. Yeah. Because, and then I was like, well, because no, cartoons did it yeah, pretty cartoons often. cartoons do. I mean, that's one of the, like, bread and butters of yeah. cartoons is fourth wall breaks. Yeah. I think mine was probably Animaniacs or maybe Looney yeah. Tunes. I was thinking Animaniacs did it a ton. Yes. But they also just did. See, that almost feels different, though, at times, because they, they just did a lot of stuff to camera, like an audience. I mean, yeah. Which is still a fourth wall break technically, but feels different than... I don't know, because it, it, it's almost like they're presenting a show, because mm-hmm. they are, essentially. Whereas, and, but it, regardless, I think this was probably the first live-action fourth wall break, maybe, that I'd ever I seen. I can't think of another one off the top of my head. There aren't, because I'm trying to think of what else I would have seen before this that would have had it. Does Princess Bride doesn't have any fourth wall breaks, does it? I don't think so. Because I would have seen that before. That like that was 91 or something, right? Or 88. 88. Yeah. Um, and I would have seen that before this. But I don't think it has any fourth wall. Or no. Does it? Does it have? Does Wesley turn to the camera at some point? No, no. I might be thinking of Robin Hood Men in Tights. You're pro- yeah, you're Carrie probably. Carrie Elwes, yeah. and he definitely breaks the fourth wall on that one. Um, I can't think of anything else. I'm, there may be, but... Um, this might have been the first fourth wall break. And I, I had that. I remembered that particular moment also very vividly. Did it and blow I, your young mind? I don't know if I understood it as a kid. Yeah. I don't know if I put it together as a seven year old, like what the joke was. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I did. But I'm, I don't know. I also remember the, the, the line early on. And I still think it's not a particularly funny joke. I, but I remember grilling my parents about this and what the heck it meant. <laughs> Is that early on, there's the moment where um, it's after Judy and uh, and Peter, they like first move into the house 
and they hear the noise in the attic mm-hmm. and they're like standing down on the stairs and Kirsten Dunst says to um her uh, says to the the aunt or whatever I'm going to stay at Motel 6 the way it's delivered feels like a big punchline. And I think as a kid, I understood that it was supposed to be a punchline. And I remember not knowing what a Motel 6 was or what the joke mm-hmm. was. And just being like, what does that mean? And my parents would be like, well, it's like a, it's like a hotel. Like, she's going to go stay. But I'm like, but, <laughs> but I'm not getting why it was a joke. And I still don't necessarily get Motel 6 is just, is it because Motel 6 is suck? Maybe. Was that the joke? Maybe. Or just that she's going to a hotel because like, oh, I'm getting out of here. And it's not really as much of a punchline as this. For some reason, they chose Motel 6. Like I didn't. I, or maybe it's a was it a merchandising thing that like literally Motel 6 pay for? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know. Because to me, it feels if you watch that scene, the way it's punctuated, like the music cue makes it feel like that's supposed to be like a big punchline. Hmm. And I never understood, and I still don't necessarily get why that would be a big punchline. I don't know. Anyways, whatever. That was all I had. Let's get to it. It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. We usually end up at this place with children's books. But I am going to give this one to the movie. The book is lovely. It provides a great nugget of an idea, and the illustrations are wonderful. If you are looking for a holiday gift for a younger kid, I highly recommend picking up a copy of this book. Uh, But in terms of a storytelling experience, the book can't really compete with the movie, which has so many more layers, plot, character arcs. Um, I talked about in our prequel um, when Chris Van Allsburg, the author of the book, um, has talked about how he got this idea for it. He's mentioned um, like uh, contrasting things like the safety of the home with all of these jungle elements. And the movie kind of takes that idea and really cranks it up. Yeah. In addition to adding all of those other layers. Uh, This is a short final verdict because I don't really feel like I need to make an in-depth case for this one. Yeah. The book is great. The movie's better. There you go. All right. Before we wrap this up, you can do us a giant favor as always. Head over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or Goodreads. Follow us on there. And most importantly, give us feedback. We want to hear what you thought, uh, all of your feelings about Jumanji. Um, We'll have uh, a post uh, on the... We do like polls mm-hmm. where you can vote um, on usually like the Friday after the episode comes out, yes. I think, right? Um, where you can vote on uh, whether you preferred the book or the movie. But if you don't want to vote because if you haven't read or watched, that's fine. You can just leave a comment. Tell us what you liked about the movie or the book or what you didn't uh, or things that stuck out to you. You know, anything like that. And then we'll read and discuss those comments in our prequel episode a week from uh, when this episode comes out in our next prequel episode. So do us a favor for that. We tend to get buried. Those those posts, those polls tend to get buried in the algorithm for whatever reason. Yeah, especially on Facebook. Especially on Facebook, but just in general, they tend to get buried. Um, so uh, look out for those. Um, turn on your notifications or whatever. That would be awesome. Katie, what's up next? Up next, we have uh, our pre-holiday episode, and we will be talking about Little Women. Little Women. Never read or seen. (laughs) Any of it? No. 
Not, not to my knowledge, not a not a jot or tittle. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 1994 Winona Ryder version. Okay. Um, I thought about doing. Uh, there, are, there are a couple layers of reasoning here. I thought about doing a, a listener's choice between that one and the one that came out last year. Yeah. And there's a lot going on this week, and I didn't want to run it. Okay. <laughs> did not want to run that campaign on our social media. Um, but we also did have um, one of our Academy Award winner patrons had requested Little Women. I already had it on our schedule, so right. I was like, you know, we're already doing it. Yeah. Um, but that person did specifically ask for oh, okay. the 1994 version. That makes sense. Now... What I would like for us to do mm-hmm. is to put out a bonus episode on Patreon, where if you subscribe at the five dollar mm-hmm. and above level, you can get access to this, where we then discuss the twenty nineteen oh, yeah. adaptation would, of Little yeah, Women. That sounds good. I actually I really wanted to see the twenty nineteen mm-hmm. one when it came out in theaters, so um I want to watch it regardless. Yeah. And so if we're not doing it for the main episode, that sounds like a very good idea. Yeah. Um, that that bonus episode, probably not going to follow like our usual no, format. Especially because we're going to break down all the details. Yeah. In the, in the 94 version. It would probably just be a little more freeform. Yeah, a little more freeform. Um, I think just like discussing the film as an adaptation in its own merit and as kind of a remake. Yeah. Of the 1994 version. Yeah. For sure. Cool. All right. That will be our next episode. Well, our next full episode. Before that time, one week from today, we'll have our prequel episode where we're previewing Little Women, uh, doing our follow-up for Jumanji, and maybe learning about something. That comes out uh, next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. So look out for that. And until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And keep keep being awesome. awesome.